Estate Radio, Chaz Cook, and today I am joined by Mr. Ryan Casey, uh, PK, Pat Kenny, and Byron had to take care of some business. It's, you know, one of the downfalls of being a successful entrepreneur is sometimes you got to put out some fires, Ryan. So they left us to our uh, own accord today. So how are you feeling about that? Well, it kind of makes me feel worse now because you're saying when you're successful, you get to, uh, you're busy, you don't have time to do the radio. So I guess here we are, two unsuccessful agents ready to tell you all about what's happening in the market. I wouldn't call it busy. Busy is, you know, I don't really, particularly, personally, I don't really care for the word busy because busy is just means you're disorganized. They have things to execute, businesses to build, and, uh, you know, they need to help us become better entrepreneurs ourselves. They're at the bar. They're drinking. I don't, you know, I, yeah, they're, they're busy. Trust me. They're busy, but we got a lot going on Chaz because it is uh, the first week in May, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, technically, I mean, it's, it's the, uh, yeah, it's, it's the first week. Yeah. So we're still into it. So we got some numbers to provide you, um, which we'll kind of dive in to let you know what these mean. We're not just going to throw numbers at you and just say, hey, well, here they are. We're going to kind of explain what this means if you're a buyer, seller, investor, and anything in between. Oh, so yeah. So, um, so, so Chad, should we just kind of pop right, right, right into it? Let's do that. Let's kick it off with uh, number of homes for sale for the month of April. So we closed out the month of April in 2022 with 7,615 homes for sale. Uh, you think that was up or down from last year? Uh, it's got to be down. Got to be down. That's correct. That is way down. In April of 2021, we had 10,820 homes, so about 3,100 homes less. And, you know, we thought we were going to start to see some changes here, some shifts. We talked about interest rates and, you know, prices kind of balancing out. But, you know, we've, just, we've seen a continuous decline in months of inventory. And it started in April of 2020, where we had 15,812 homes. So right now we're at about 50% deficit from that, leaving us with a month of supply of only 2.1. So promising to that though, because two months ago we were at 1.7 months of supply. So we have seen that tick up just slightly, um, but we are still hovering around that two months worth of inventory. Yeah. And just to uh, go back to the amount of homes for sale, because I want people to know the previous month. So as Chad said, we're at 7,000. Oh, we got a little pop up there. Oh, Chaz, you got an update available. So we're at 7,615. This was last month, obviously, because we don't know what the numbers are for May. And then back in March, it was 7,879. So, you know, two, 200 homes less, but that's not what we really need in this market, right? That's our, that's our problem is inventory. Um, so we'll see what starts to happen as interest rates start to go up, which we'll probably talk about a little bit, maybe in the next segment about how the feds have gone up a half a percentage the most since 2000 and what that means and how come that the mortgage rates actually went down, Chaz, after the feds. And I know the reason why, because you think, oh, the feds, you know, they're raising the rate, here comes the mortgage rates, but no, they actually went down. I'll explain that probably in the next segment after we're done with all these numbers. That's a great little teaser there, Ryan. That is a great little teaser. Um, But to your point, you know, normally in this time of year, March, April, May, we are in the middle of the spring market and we are seeing like a plethora of inventory come on. So yeah, we were pretty much flat down 200, 
where in years past we would have seen a bit of a spike to try and help that inventory boost up because that's the when the most demand is happening. Um, so you know, now let's get into a little bit of let's talk about our median sales price, right? So do you think that went up or down uh, from last month? I say up, Chaz. I say up. Ah, man, if we were giving away some of Martin's money right now, you would be incorrect. We were actually flat. The median sales price for March of 2022 was 350000 And for April 2022 was also 350000 Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, just kind of being out in the field and dealing with this every day, I think what is making that happen, why, that's be, why that number is flat, Chaz, is because we have this mentality now uh, when selling a home to cross the finish line. Don't We're not always taking the highest offer because we're nervous that's not going to appraise because appraisals have been kind of pit and miss lately. So we tell our clients, look, we with rates going up and maybe this market's going to shift, we don't know when, but everything's kind of pointing that rates are going up even more. Um, let's get to the finish line. So no one's really kind of, I mean, trust me, there's still offers going $30,000, $40,000 over asking price. But I think a lot of sellers are more cautious because, they, like I said, we just want to get there, collect their money, and then before everything starts to turn. So that's my belief why it's kind of plateauing. You know, people are, sellers not being, I don't want to use the word greedy. They just want to make sure that they can get the most amount of money, but they, it means nothing unless you get to the, the closing table. That's absolutely right. So they're being a little bit more particular in the offers they choose. And they're starting to look at some of the things we touched on last week. And obviously, we can get a little deeper into that in the second segment when we start to talk about those interest rates. Um, but your terms, right, your money down, your appraisal gap waivers, all of those things, instead of just being you know, able to put the most money forward, you're actually having to start to pay a little bit more attention to um, how to structure your offer in a way that benefits everyone. Um, so now we've just been talking about single family homes here. So let's just try to do a quick check here on all property types. So that would be multifamilies, condos, and single family homes. So that median sale price, you know, we just mentioned it stayed flat from March of 2022 until the end of April 2022. But when we factor in all homes in the state of Connecticut, we actually saw a bit of a tick up. Not much, but a bit of a tick up. We went from 319,000 in March up to 320,000 in April. So we are climbing. Look at that. Yeah. All the difference in the world. But I think also I'm going to go back to single families and uh, single family homes only into new listings. And here is, I'll just make sure I have everything right. So this is single families throughout all of Connecticut in all price ranges. And this is a little bit more of the problem, right? Chaz, and make sure I have this right. So in the month of April, there were 44,657 new listings came on. Well, this is the rolling 12 months. Let me get rid of the rolling 12. I want to do monthly. Okay. So that seems more. I was like, that's a lot of homes to so come on. So there were 4,209 homes that came on in the month of April. Prior to that, in March, with 3,179. February, which is always a slow month, 2,500. And then in January, 2,119. So right now, in April of last month, 4,209 homes came on. The previous year, oop, back a little bit more, thanks, Chaz, was what? 5,117. So almost a, a little bit, uh, about 1,000 more. And then the previous April, now this is a weird time because this is when COVID happened. Right, we're starting to get to the height of COVID. Two thousand six hundred fifty-three, 
And then this is really the number. Okay. Prior to COVID, there was 6,000. So this is April 2019. There were 6,049 homes came on. In two, April of 2019, 6,049 homes came on. And now we're at 4,209. Uh, 4, so we're 2,000 homes short compared to what we were um, two years ago. And that's really been the issue, right, is the inventory. That is 100%. We're going to dive a little bit deeper into that. As we mentioned, when we come back, we're going to talk more about what the Fed's report on Tuesday, uh, how it affected interest rates. And we're also going to talk about a home sale in Connecticut that might change the way we do business. Uh, So some exciting times coming up here. Definitely an evolution we're going to see in our industry over the next three to five years. Um, And we will also, you know, don't forget, we've got the One Team Rewind coming up here in uh, just about 20 minutes. So stay tuned and we'll be back. Real Estate Radio 94.9 News Now and Stimulating Talk. Joe the Gutter Guy is celebrating... Real Estate Radio, Chaz Cook back again with Ryan Casey. And, you know, we forgot to mention before because we did talk about how, you know, Pat and Byron are out um, putting out fires, managing their businesses and helping us all grow as entrepreneurs. But as always, they are here with us in spirit. For those of you watching on the podcast, uh, you can see them keeping a watchful eye over each one of our shoulders here. Um, But Ryan, you mentioned you wanted to get a little bit more into what the latest Fed report and how it affects interest rates for the housing market. Yeah, absolutely. And before we get into that, like it, like Chad just said, we have uh, Byron Lazine and Pat Kenny's face. There, what'd you get? Like fat heads? You ordered them, right? So it was interesting. My aunt has a has a mouse problem at her at her house. So basically, I just put these faces at the door, and it, it, it kept them away because they were pretty. They were. It's like a scarecrow for mice because those are some mugs. Let me tell you. So yeah, let's talk about what's going on with the the feds. So the feds raised rates this week. Uh, up a half a percentage, which is the most since 2000. So um, what I did was the next day, I went to go see if um, if the mortgage rates went up, if it if it took effect. And guess what? The rates actually went down. And people are like, why is that? How did that happen? So the rates this morning, uh, well, yesterday, we're, a five, we're in the low fives, right? 5.1, 5.2. So what? this is how it works with mortgage rates. It's, it's kind of interesting. Um, so when a couple months ago, you know, after the holidays, we started getting to this year, um, people, the feds were starting to hint that the rates were going to go up, that the rates were going to go up. And we all kind of know, cause they're trying to do something to battle this crazy inflation that we're dealing with. So what the mortgage rates do is they predict, not predict, but they anticipate the, the rising of the rates of the fed rates. So they raise their rates earlier. To kind of, I guess, almost like to predict what's what the feds are going to do, right? So they kind of anticipate what they're going to do, and they raise their rates prior to that move actually being done. So for that, for this instance, right? So when the feds came out that they went up half a percentage, the rates actually kind of they're like, okay, well that's that's fine. Yeah, that's what we were anticipating. We actually can maybe come down a little bit, and we feel good. Now, for those who are listening who are thinking about buying or selling, don't think that this is going to last very long, that they're going to stay here, right? Maybe what I was told, maybe a couple days, could be a couple weeks, but the feds will meet again on June 14th and June 15th. And this time, they're probably predicting more of a quarter percentage increase. 
but it could be another half again, right? Because they're being very, very aggressive on combating this um, this inflation. So what's going to happen is once we kind of get through this little honeymoon period that the that the mortgage rates are like, oh, okay, yep, we can come down a little bit. That, that was good. That's kind of what we were anticipating. We're going to go, uh, the feds are going to start talking again about going up in June and the mortgage rates will anticipate that and they will begin to climb again. Now, Chaz and I do not have a crystal ball. We cannot tell you for sure what the rates, if they're going to go up, down, uh, sideways, Fugazi. You know what a Fugazi is? Fugazi. It's, uh, you know, that's Wolf of Wall Street. Um, so we don't know. But this is what everything is pushing us towards um, in this direction. And I think that's why you're seeing prices start to stay even keel. Because I think sellers are getting the feeling that this, this housing market could start to change. You have a lot of buyers it's probably the worst analogy I have, but the analogy I've been using for the last couple of weeks is like, you're on the Titanic, but this time you can actually see the iceberg coming. So all the buyers are like, let's get off this boat. Let's get into a lifeboat and let's get something under contract before these, these rates go too high. And I, I wouldn't sit this week, unfortunately. Um, I had a buyer. We actually were looking for a while. We finally got a house under contract and then we got the updated rates and we had to kind of, you know, kind of figure out what his, you know, new payment would be. And it was just, he was, he was approved for it, but he just felt uncomfortable paying that much for a monthly payment, which is, you know, which is fine. We always want our clients to do what obviously is best for them and what they feel most comfortable with. But here we go, right? Chaz, like, here we come with these rates. I'm checking in a lot of clients saying, Hey, look, I know we've been looking, we've been looking maybe in the, at 450. What do you, you know, I got to call the loan officer. Are we still looking at 450? Are we coming down a little bit? But these rates continue to go up in the summer. It's going to have to be almost like a checkup with the loan officer. That's a hundred percent accurate. You know, we talked last week about how from December to March, a uh, $500,000 home, your monthly payment went up $600 just from the rate going from two and a half to five. Now that we're tipping up near six, that payment has now gone from $600 closer to like 670, 680. Um, so making ho- housing even less affordable for some, uh, and then all, yeah, having to scale back on where those search criteria has come from. Um, so Ryan, are you much of a stock guy? Yes. Yes, I am. Yeah. I like, I mean, like, I'll put it this way. Have I maybe last couple years have I been like in stocks? Yeah. Am I in them as much now? No, especially not what the stock market did this week. Right. That's like saying, Oh, are you, are you into, um, you know, having, having cyanide? Well, no, not really because I feel, feel like I'm going to be, you know, just going to get killed. Right. Like that's how I feel in the market as well. Well, I ask because, you know, obviously with the Fed doing what they're doing, as you just mentioned, uh, the stock market did take a pretty big hit today. And, you know, we, we're we not going to get too far into that because that is PK's area of specialty there. Um, but it brings up an interesting point to what we teased out before about a Connecticut home in Greenwich, Connecticut, um, that is willing to accept cryptocurrency as a form of payment for that estate. Now, this home is listed at $6.5 million, and the seller is an active crypto trader. Are you much of a crypto trader, Ryan? I am not. No. I dabble in it a little bit myself, but you know the reason I bring that up is because crypto <clears throat> is even more volatile than the traditional stock market, and it's also um, not as directly affected as by the Fed rate hikes. So how do you think with all these changes we're seeing and as the market is continuing to fluctuate up and down, both in the real estate interest rates, the Fed interest rates, and just the stock market in general, that 
if they are able to sell this Connecticut home for crypto, how do you think that's going to change the game here in the state of Connecticut? Well, it's kind of funny. I remember I watch a lot of times um, Million Dollar Listing in New York with Ryan uh, Serhan. And there was an episode maybe back in, I don't know, 2019, 2018. There's a kid and he's selling an apartment in New York City. And the kid says, hey, can I purchase this in, in, in Bitcoin? And Ryan Serhan kind of does a joke, whatever. It was interesting because I always thought about that too. And this is going back, you know, it was 2018, how many years ago? Four years ago. And Ryan Serhan came back out with that, that clip. And he said, man, if I took this Bitcoin, he's like, whatever. If it was like a million dollars, he's like, I would have 4 million, right? So what do I think about it? I mean, if people, if you, you're going to have people that, that are buyers that are interested in paying in, in cryptocurrency, right? And they probably feel the same way that this seller does. And a seller has every right. Cause I mean, you know, if you remember your real estate education, you can offer someone, doesn't have to be money. You can offer whatever. You can offer them five bushels of corn, like in, in the 1600s. It does not have to be money. So if that seller is willing to take whatever, can be uh, crypto, can be money, can be a good, a service, um, then they have every right to do it. Now, how do I feel about it? Uh, I mean, what, what has me, and like I said, this is more Pat Kenny's thing. I mean, we're, we're printing money like it's nobody's business, right? And I just, you do get nervous and I... You know, I'm glad you dabble into cryptocurrency. I should probably look into it a little bit more because we're printing so much. It's like, what's the dollar the dollar going to be worth soon, right? If you have so much of it, it it could it could change. So I think it's good to have both options. Now, let me ask you this: from a buyer and seller's perspective, so about 18 months ago, you built you and your family a big, beautiful home out in North Brantford, and let's say you guys decided you wanted to move in the next two two to three years. Would you consider accepting cryptocurrency as a form of payment? Or do you think there's still too much unknown about all of it and uh, it's you know a little bit too volatile for your palate? Well, you know, it's kind of interesting. And I'm glad you asked that question because it actually put me in the situation. What would I do? And it's kind of like, you know, on, if you're on like Zillow, truly on these websites, you'll have like uh, an agent. They say, hey, I, I'm fluent in English, Spanish or whatever language. Like you're probably like if I had to sell my house and cryptocurrency is becoming a thing, I would want an agent who is almost fluent in cryptocurrency, right? I can't have someone, you know, trying to, you know, sell my house with crypto and has no experience. Like me, like I had no experience in crypto. I never sold. I don't think majority of most agents have never sold a house using cryptocurrency. So I would need someone that actually knows what they're doing. Right. And they have to have some type of proof or even like a license, like I had something because now this is you're entering an arena that no one is in right now. So yeah. So if I were to do it and someone was like, like a Nate real estate agent was licensed and could take me step by step through crypto, I would consider it. What my wife would want to do is a whole different thing. Well, I'm really glad you said that because that seller that we were talking about down in Greenwich, that's uh, willing to accept crypto for her $6.5 million property is an active crypto trader. And she's only willing to accept Bitcoin and Ethereum and rather than just taking them and converting them into something else, she wants to add them to her portfolio. So to your point, being educated in the world of crypto and which ones are a little bit more secure and a little bit more stable um, would make all of the difference. Because, for example, somebody could come to you and offer you $6.5 million in Shibu. Uh, shout out to Elon. Um, and, you know, that's only worth about a third of a cent right now. So is that ever going to get anywhere? I mean, it's still $6.5 million at the end of the day, but is that going to continue to go up or is it going to maintain some balance? I would, I would personally rather take some Enron stocks. 
instead, right? Because I, I, I feel really good about that one. Um, but no, you're right. I mean, you would really have to, you're really taking a risk. And who knows where the future is going to go? I guess if you're, if you know, how much is the house? Six million, you said? 6.5. 6.5. So, I mean, hey, if you have 6.5 million, maybe you've got that extra money where you're kind of like, oh, let's see what happens. I can use this more as an investment than it is where like, you know, my house is my biggest asset, right? And I think it is for most people. But if you have $6 million and willing to take something that's a little risky, like crypto, you're probably like, hey, you know, here at table and you're like, let, let it ride. But Enron, definitely want to look into that company, uh, Chaz. I will definitely do that. And, you know, I really liked your point there about having an agent that has uh, some education with that. Cause you know, here at the one team, we pride ourselves on our training and being the go-to knowledge agents uh, in our areas. So why don't we get together with Mr. Pat Kenny off the air and see if he can maybe put something together for us or, you know, take us to school, so to speak, and show us the ins and outs of crypto and how to better manage that. I think that's definitely something he would be interesting in. And, uh, you know, maybe we can all learn a little something and get a little side hustle going. Um, because I promise you, it may not be for three to five more years, but the crypto exchange for real estate is coming to the state of Connecticut. Yeah, I mean, anything with Pat Kane just sounds awful. So I probably won't be attending. And maybe we'll meet them at the bar after they're done with the lecture. But no, in all seriousness, I think, I mean, hey, if someone offered lessons, maybe if, if Pat's listening today, if someone was offering lessons about cryptocurrency and how to use it in real estate, I'd sign up for two seconds. Because I think it is, you know, you hear people say, oh, it's the future. Is it? I don't know. I don't know enough about it. I mean, it seems like this thing goes up and down. So I'd be fairly nervous overall. But we'll see. All right, when we come back, we will have the One Team Weekly Rewind, and we are also going to close out this show today with a little bit of information on best places to live in the state of Connecticut. The list might surprise you on the towns that did and did not make the cut. So we'll be back in just a minute here. Real Estate Radio 94.9 News Now and Stimulating Talk. Nine News Now and Stimulating Talk. This is Chaz Cook back again with Mr. Ryan Casey uh, and our spirit watchers, Byron Lazine and Pat Kenny, making sure we are doing a good job for all you 94.9ers listening at home or watching on the podcast. But as we do every week, we are here to break down the one team weekly rewind. And I just want to make a quick thing. I know Chaz is at spirit watchers. They're still alive. They're not. <laughs> They did not pass away. We're, they're still working. And for a second, I thought we're about to have an memorial about them. But we're, yeah. Anyways, back to business at hand. So the one team was added again. We had another solid week, you know, and even though we talked about that inventory steadily declining still and those median sale prices staying the same, we were able to put out 
five new listings, 19 under contract, and we had 18 closings. Our first new listing was 11 Mallard Lane in Waterford, Connecticut. That one came on the market for $369,900. That is a raised ranch, four bedrooms, two full baths in a beautiful part of Waterford, right over near a little pond, convenient to Route 1 and 95. <clears throat> that is an Ann Carpenter listing, and that property is equipped with solar panels. It's a solid-looking property, and you should get by there and check that out. You can reach out to her at acarpenter1 at aol.com. Again, that was 11 Mallard Lane in Waterford, Connecticut, on the market for $369,900. Our next new listing was... You know, I just I just love this segment. You want to know why? Because 109 Hawthorne Drive, it's a multifamily in New London, Connecticut, on the market for 175000 You know who brought this one to the market, Ryan? Lebar did it again. Every week, I, I get to mention how hardworking Lebar is and how that man continues to get it done. Because this one is under contract. So congrats to Lee on that one. It was a multifamily, two units, side by side, great location, good spot. Um, so congrats to Lee on getting that one listed in under contract in less than a week. <clears throat> Our next new listing was 56 Lampier Road in Waterford, Connecticut. That came on the market for $379,900. That is a Mary Pula listing. So the power team representing this week with two out of our four new listings. Um, I'm not going to go too far into this one. It was a beautiful Cape-style house in the Giants, um, sorry, Great Neck neighborhood, uh, but that one is under contract, so congrats to Mary Pula for knocking that one out of the park. And our last new listing was another one in the Harbor Towers that Mary and I have been listing, 461 Bank Street, unit number 309, came on the market for $359,900. And I am uh, happy to say, but also sad to say for everyone listening who was interested, that we put that one under contract last night. But don't worry, we've got two more coming next week, and they are under construction on at least a dozen more. So stay tuned as those will be continuing to pop up. If you haven't been down to Bank Street in New London to see what they've done down there, all the restaurants, shops, ferries, uh, you definitely need to get over there and check it out. They are bringing life back to the city of New London, and it is just great to see that area um, up and coming. So, Rye Guy, you're going to take it over here on the uh, under contracts. Yeah, let's do this. Yeah, so it was interesting, right, that we had uh, all the listings were in all New London County, right? Yeah, New London, New London, Waterford, Waterford. So congrats to uh, our agents. But under contract, we're going to continue with this theme a little bit happening here. New London, this is where, these are all the towns that we, we got under contract, the team. Um, those would be New London, Waterford, back again at Waterford, Hamden, Derby, Middletown, Cheshire, Lisbon, West Warwick, Rhode Island, the homeland. Who had that one, Chaz? That is Lucy, the Jedi. Lucy, West Warwick. I love it. A couple of stories for another time. I need a whole segment for West Warwick. Um, Prospect, Clinton, Durham, Milford, Guilford, Cheshire, New Haven, Hamden, Southington, Hamden again. And then close. Congratulations to our buyers and sellers and our agents. Um, Let's see. Here are the towns that we closed in this week. Niantic, Scotland. East Lyme, Groton, Waterford, New London, Suffield, North Bramford, hometown, New Fairfield, East Lyme, Hamden, Milford, Guilford, Milford, Guilford, Norwich, Guilford, Milford. Wow. So we are 
Uh, so, you know, with the rates and the feds and prices and everything else going on, we are still just kind of closing these deals up. I don't want anyone to, because we, we give a lot of news and we always try to give some positive news, but people might hear these numbers and say, oh my God, I don't know what to do. And this is kind of scary. People are still getting deals. People are still buying houses. People are still selling houses. And no matter what happens, people are still going to buy and sell regardless on how this market turns. What I do recommend is going on our website. Look at all our amazing agents on there. Find me. I'm at the bottom. I'm not sure how that happened. Um, but find me or any of our amazing agents and reach out to them and just ask them, hey, you know, even if you're not planning on buying or selling for maybe a year, five years, ever, just reach out to them. And if you have any questions about this market and how it uh, affects your home and your finances, we'd be more than happy to answer it for you because it, everything's changing so quickly. You know, I, I think about when we've been this, on this radio show in the last couple of months, what I was saying back then is not really applying so much now. Um, so you can see by this is when we give you this segment, isn't because... You know, we're just, well, I'm just here to list off names. We're showing that, you know, there's still business to be done and we're, we're out there killing it. And I'm proud of this team. That is right. The one team, the hardest working team in real estate, as we are known by our team of coaches. Um, and, you know, and to Ryan's point, if you guys do have questions, you know, if you're worried, if you need to sell and buy, like, where are you going to go? Or if you're worried about how the hike in interest rates can affect your monthly payment, reach out to any one of the agents at The One Team. You can check out our website, theoneteamwr.com. And, you know, Ryan, one thing we haven't uh, mentioned yet, you know, we are coming into spring. Yesterday was close to 70. I think next week's going to be in the 60s and 70s. So a lot of people are thinking about opening up those pools. So if you need to open up that pool and you need some water for that pool, we know that Martin McKinney and the boys at Service Station Equipment, mainly Dougie Fresh, they have the tank man over there um, who's got a secret supply of water here in Connecticut that can get your pool filled up with the cleanest water you will find border to border. They used to call me the tank man in college, but it wasn't because I had a bunch of pool water. It's because I mm-hmm. like to drink those Narragansetts. More like Frank the Tank from old school. There's a little throwback for you. Yeah. Great movie, great movie. Um, so yeah, just to kind of piggyback off of Chad's, you know, <laughs> there was, you know, we had on Thursday, it was beautiful out. It was, you know, I think it hit 70 <laughs> and I showed hey, up. I'm doing the radio show with them, y'all. They're able to do that and just kind of like lightens the buyer's spirits okay. a little bit. You know, I don't, yeah, we, I had a great Thursday. I showed about four houses and they all went very, very well. I'm telling you, the weather had something to do with it. The pool were, was open. You hear the birds. Cause let's be honest, this has been a brutal, brutal spring. I mean, today's a soaker. Tomorrow's going to, you know, we'll see what it goes on with Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day by out there. Hey, mom, um, I made it, um, you know, but this is this weekend's like I said, it's a little interesting. I have a lot of clients looking at houses this weekend. I think there's open houses on Saturday. Not so much going on Sunday. So it's always interesting. These little holidays where a lot of buyers were like, well, we'll kind of sit this one out. But if you're staying aggressive and you're still looking to buy great weekend. Great. Anything that's in there that might have people stay home and not go see houses, that's when you need to go out. That is your opportunity to sneak in and get a better deal for you. I mean, obviously, you still have to put your best foot forward and make your deal attractive to the seller. But ultimately, to Ryan's point, you can maybe catch a break here and you know not be competing against seven other people and maybe only one other person. So use those little advantages that you have, but definitely make sure to take some time. 
and uh, spend it with all of the moms out there, whether it's your mom, your spouse, you know, whatever it is. Um, show mom some appreciation this weekend. And, you know, we're, we can get into this a little bit, but then we're going to have to, you know, take a break. But we will definitely finish out the show with it. NBC Connecticut put out an article and it ranks the top 25 places to live in Connecticut for 2022. This article was published on April 28th. Ryan, if you could guess how many shoreline Connecticut towns made the list? I would say it has to be like 90%. All right. And are you willing to uh, make a wager on that? Sure, Chaz. (laughs) Well, we will find out when we come back for our final segment, but I will tell you uh, that you are not very close on that guess. So uh, we hope you guys are enjoying the show so far. We will be back in just a second. Real Estate Radio 94.9 News Now and Stimulating Talk. State Radio. We are back for the final segment. Chaz Cook here with you today as well as I'm joined by Mr. Ryan Casey and our onlookers. I will not say our spirit lookers because we do not want anything people to think anything bad happened to Pat Kenny and Byron Lazine. Um, they will be back next week. I do ensure you of that. You will be uh, hearing their voices once again. You know, they're a little bit more suave than us. They've got a little bit more experience, Ryan, wouldn't you say? No, I wouldn't agree with that. <laughs> Watch out now because they do they do listen in. They do tune in when they're not here. But anyways, before we went to break, we were talking to you guys about an article that NBC Connecticut picked up. It was actually put out by AreaVibes.com about the top 25 cities and towns to live in Connecticut. And uh, we kind of teased out how many shoreline towns made it. And you thought about 90% of them were going to be. Um, but to our surprise, we only saw one. We saw a lot on the Gold Coast, which is interesting because we were just talking about that house in Greenwich, which is on the market for six and a half million dollars. And they, you know, they're willing to accept cryptocurrency as a form of payment. And a lot of these top 25 places also come from the Gold Coast. So what is going on down there that we don't know? I think we're going to have to get some of the agents on the one team that serviced that area in here to tell us a little bit more about what they're seeing down there. All right. So number one on the list, no surprise, Old Greenwich. Greenwich. Uh, so these scores are based on the livability score, the crime, and the cost of living. So these are not our rankings. This is uh, If you want to check this article out, we can post it up. Um, but areavibes.com or on NBC Connecticut, top 25 places to live in 2022. So Old Greenwich, Greenwich. Number two, Coscob, Greenwich, with a livability score of 85. I should say that Old Greenwich, Greenwich had a livability score of 85. So those two are pretty – that's pretty much a tie right there. You know, I would say – Actually, Old Greenwich Greenwich has 119% higher cost of living than the state average. Uh, and Costco Greenwich has a 74% higher than the state average. So interesting there. Uh, number three on the list, Cheshire Village, Cheshire. 
with a cost of living only 2% higher than the uh, state average and a livability score of 84. And then next, number four, Simsbury Center, Simsbury, also a livability score number 84. So I feel like those could kind of flip-flop back and forth uh, right there. Number five, this one I was a little surprised on only because it's kind of like on the way to everywhere, but, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, how do you feel about number five, Ryan? Middletown, Connecticut. Well, uh, the wife and I, we got married in Middletown, Connecticut, and we stayed at a, a beautiful uh, hotel there. And we did get to, and I got to know, because like you said, we kind of, you go through it quite often, right? Depending on where you're trying to, trying to get to, or if you're cutting across the state, you always, roads always lead back to Middletown. Overall, I think it's an, it's an awesome spot, to be honest with you. I do. I do enjoy Middletown. Uh, I enjoy their Main Street. They've got all kinds of great restaurants and shops there. Um, you know, you have Aragoni Bridge. You have the River. Um, Wesleyan University, too, a very prestigious university in Middletown, Connecticut. Um, it was just kind of interesting to see it pop up at number five in terms of uh, best places to live in Connecticut with a livability score of 83. Well, that's what I'm, I mean, so we're, I mean, they talk about livability score and you can go on the website and kind of do a breakdown. And then the next one is the crime percentage. And then the next one is the cost of living. So I guess you got to, I mean, what, what does this mean, Chaz? Does this mean, well, you know what? I'm willing to pay, you know, a hundred percent more, but I, um, but I won't hear as many gunshots. Right. Is that what this, like, what does that mean? Like, you know what? I'd rather, you know, my great news, my groceries are cheaper, but unfortunately the guy accidentally got ran over, you know, like, but at least I, but at least I got to save a whole bunch of discount on, on food and gas. Like, I'm not sure. Well, you know, that's only one factor because the next two uh, towns that we're going to name right now, they actually have a differentiate differentiator in those two so newington at number six has a livability score of 83 and a crime rate that's 67 percent higher than the state average but they actually beat out west hartford that only has a livability score of 82 and a crime rate that's 59 percent higher than the state average so i wonder what kind of variables i mean you know are they looking at only felonies misdemeanors you know they have to be factoring some things in there so you know let's see if we can maybe find out who wrote this article and get them on the show to break it down for us a little bit more and show us uh their expertise um but moving on because we don't want to drag this out for the entire segment i know you've got lots more to say because there is always something coming out of ryan casey's mouth number eight riverside greenwich livability score 82 number nine plain old greenwich number 10 Berlin. Now, this is my wife's hometown, and I think she would beg to differ, you know, putting that one in the top 10. Um, you know, they're, they're known for the Berlin Turnpike. They have lots going on there. Um, but in her opinion, you know, there's just not a lot to do. They do have some great hiking trails, you know, state forest, things like that. But to make it into the top 10, that's impressive. Way to go, Berlin, Connecticut. Number 11, no surprise here, Glastonbury Center in Glastonbury. I worked up in Glastonbury for a few years, and it is a great town, lots to do. People are super friendly. Um, one of the really unique things about Glastonbury is that depending on what part of town you're in, you're either on a farm, you're in like a West Hartford Center. You know, they've got everything going on and everything in between. Number 12, Westport. Number 13, South Acres, Enfield. Number 14, Portland. Number 15, Windsor Locks. How do you feel about that one? That one kind of caught me off guard a little bit, too. Not overly familiar with Windsor Locks. I know that Bradley International Airport is up there. Um, but outside of that, you know, I don't don't know too much about it. So I guess we're going to have to maybe go sell some houses in Windsor Locks, Ryan. What do you think? Well, I just not to toot my own horn, too, but I did get one up in uh, Enfield, and it is very, very nice. But it's kind of like, I guess it depends, right? Like, I guess we're, we're talking about livability is attractions and stuff to do up there. Cause there's not too much to do. And those people who actually moved from Enfield, they were working there at the time. 
but then they wanted to be around stuff and stuff to do. So they end up moving to Milford, which I'm not sure if that made the list, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's not, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous up there, but you know, hope you like looking at cows. Well, that's it. Peace and quiet. Uh, number 16 on the list. Shout out Branford, Connecticut. Anchoring the bottom of the shoreline there. Love Branford. Great town center. The Branford Green is awesome. And actually coming up here in about probably five, six weeks is the Branford Road Race and the Branford Festival. Folks, if you have never gone and checked that out, that is one of the most happening things to do on the shoreline. They get about 30,000 people through town over the course of the three days. And then the culmination is the Branford Road Race, which is Father's Day Sunday. A uh, nice five miler that takes you along the beaches and then it finishes on the green or finishes at Stony Creek with an after party. So you can hit the brewery. Number 17, North Haven. Number 18, Sherwin Manor in Enfield. So Enfield making the list again. Uh, and here's your city, 19, Milford. We've got a couple uh, one team agents that live down in Mer- Milford. We got Meredith Zipper down there. We got Mr. Ryan Casey doing business down there. Um, very cool spot, Milford. They have. Lots of beaches, lots of downtown activity. Again, convenient to a lot of highways, so convenient to New York City. Uh, if you were looking to live in Connecticut and maybe save a little bit on the prices from the, the city, it's an easy commute. You can just jump a train or drive in in about 45 minutes. Interesting fact that Milford um, has the most coastline of any town in Connecticut. So if you're looking to move to Connecticut on the water and I mean, there's some beautiful, obviously towns, but Milford has the most uh, coastline. So, if, you know, definitely take a peek. And rounding out the last five, not the last five, how we would rank them, but the last five, according to this list, we've got Wallingford Center, Wallingford with a livability score of 78. Uh, crime there is only 15% higher than the state average and the cost of living is 3% lower than the state average. So making that a very affordable option, especially if you work at Amazon, uh, Ridgefield at 21, Naugatuck at 22. Uh, speaking of Mr. Lee Barr just was out there. He had a, a lakefront listing opportunity out there a couple weeks ago. And of course he crushed it. So watch out for that one coming up in the rewind in the next few weeks. Uh, number 23, Torrington. Number 24, Weathersfield, and number 25, rounding it out with a livability score of 76. Their crime rate is 72% higher than the state average, and their cost of living is 15% higher than the state average. Orange, Connecticut. Orange, you glad we just went through that list, Ryan? Okay, and that's how we're going to end the show, folks. Thank you so much, and <laughs> do not tune in next week. Um, but it's interesting because um, I would say Orange is the last one. I would say, me personally, Orange is one of the toughest place to move into right now right because uh, a lot of people love the school systems in orange and um it's like i actually had i feel bad i had a last year last yeah last year around this time i had people that wanted to move to orange and they had to give up they just we could not do it i was there uh this week for a for sale by owner um they were trying to sell the house um it's a gorgeous house if you want to look it up because we're wonderful people they're trying to sell it on their own it's eight hundred thousand. it's on laurel wood beautiful house and it's kind of on a dead end street and uh so kids would be perfect so shout out to uh rich thank you for uh, allowing me to come in the house but uh anywho but yeah going over this list i mean um yeah there's a couple surprise i love milford milford's a great town Brantford. I mean, there's so many breweries and there's so much stuff to do. A couple towns. It's, it's interesting. They're just so different. A lot of these towns, you know, there's like really no pattern right. going on. And Wallingford is going to be cheap because of electricity, right? That's why that cost was down. So that's actually a great question right now. You've lived in Connecticut for about six years now, right? 
I, and I, I moved to Connecticut when I was in second grade. So I think it was eight, you know, uh, just a wee, wee young lad. Um, what, where, what would you rank as the number one town to live in in the state of Connecticut? I mean, well, I, I gotta be careful because I can tell you which towns I wouldn't, right? And it would probably surprise a lot of people too. Um, just I, looking for your favorite. And I feel like a lot of people on the team live there too, but I feel like it's an overrated town, but we won't get into that because oh. I, I do a lot of, um, we should do that. What towns do I feel are overrated? Um, but I do think Milford's a great town. I think Brantford's a great town. I personally live in North Brantford, so I'm kind of into being away, you know, enjoying looking at the cows and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I think Milford and Brantford, Guilford, obviously, you know, if you want to feel like you're in a Hallmark Christmas movie, just stop by there anytime, November, December. It's like the Who's get together and they sing around a tree. It is really magical there, but there's so many different towns on the shoreline. And that's what, you know, when I first moved here, I was always so confused you know, and my wife and I, like, we're going out to dinner and like 95 North and South runs East and West. So I always had some, diff- you know, difficulty figuring that out, but it was so cool how you can go a couple exits over and you do have almost a different area vibe and, you know, hence the website. And then, you know, like, Hey, if you want to do fine dining, if you want to go to a brewery, you got Brantford, if you want to do something nice, go to Gil, you know, like, so it's really, really cool. I think that's what makes Connecticut so special. Um, cause we're not Rhode Island's a little bit, I mean, 95, you know, runs north and south. But however, like, I lived in Rhode Island for 25 years of my life. I don't think I spent more than a day in Westerly, right? Because we don't go there. We go to Providence, we go to Narragansett, and, and places around there. But yeah, that's what makes, I think, Connecticut very unique. So that was your long-winded answer from Mr. Ryan Casey about how he does not have a favorite town in the state of Connecticut. He just enjoys the state of Connecticut more than the motherland. So for all you 94 Niners out there listening in Rhode Island, you heard him say it, not me. Um, you know, so I, yeah, I grew up in old Saberg. I spent the majority of my childhood there. Um, but my personal favorite town on the shoreline is old Lyme, Connecticut. You ever spend more, much time in old Lyme, Connecticut? No, it's kind of like, well, it's so funny. Cause Pat Kenny says the same thing. Every time I tell you guys where I'm at, right. You're like, I oh, you should do this. You should do that. But it's like, it's your, uh, you know, you know, the same thing, right. You gotta, you're only there for a little bit and then you gotta go. But no, I gotta start taking time to enjoy some of these places. And you should also check out what the one team is doing. We've actually got a show going around called Love Your Local. We go around and explore the state of Connecticut and the team takes us to their favorite local spots. So that list that Pat's been building out for you, you know, in the town I mentioned, like Old Lyme, you know, stay tuned, check that out, because our goal is to be part of the community and to highlight and showcase all of the great local businesses out there. So that's going to do it for us this week on Real Estate Radio. I'm Chaz Cook. And uh, Ryan, where can people reach you? They can reach me at Casey, C-A-S-E-Y at oneandcompany.com. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. I love it. I made it. Look at that. Look at that. There goes that man. All right. And that'll do it. You can reach me, Chaz, at oneincompany.com or 860-575-4962. Have an awesome weekend. Happy Mother's Day out there to all you moms. And we'll see you back here next week with another episode of Real Estate Radio on 94.9 News Now and Stimulating Talk. Bruce